0: It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle.
1: I need to see a dog make a play. No puppies. I need a dog to make a play.
0: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And my man John McClain from the Houston Chronicle is on the phone lines now. You can find him on Twitter, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. And, John, we appreciate your time. Hopefully you had a great holiday uh, weekend, you and your family. And uh, off top, let's talk about the Raiders. Let's talk about the Silver and Black. They get that victory over the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and they're still in the thick of things. They're sitting there at 6-5, and nobody knows what's going on in the AFC. What are your thoughts, John?
2: My turkey and dressing always tastes a whole lot better when the Cowboys get beat on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I and bet. Something that I want to tell Raider fans who are out there right now, 6-5, and five, if the playoffs started today, they would not be in the playoffs. Chargers got that last spot at 6-5 and five wrapped up, but there's so much competition in AFC. But if you're a Raider fan, or a Chargers fan, or a Broncos fan, all of them are 6-5. and At this time last year, Buccaneers were 6-5, and five. Mm. and then they didn't lose another game. And they averaged 32 points the rest of the season in their last eight games, and, of course, beat Kansas City 31-9 in the Super Bowl. And something I noticed about the Raiders, I just calculated, that in their six victories, they averaged 32 points a game. In five of them, they scored at least 30 points. So when they've won, they've scored a lot of points. When they've lost, as you know, they haven't. 14-9, 16-14, 13. That is a humongous discrepancy in points scored in wins and losses. But they got to have a lot of confidence winning that game. And I look at the schedule. The only team left here that has a losing record is the one coming up, Washington, which if the playoffs started today, Washington would be the last seed in the NFC, and Washington is hot. And, uh, but there's a good chance Raiders going to win this game. And then it gets tough with three of the last five on the road, Kansas City, Cleveland, and Indy. But that last game against the Chargers, well, really, the, well, all those last games, mm-hmm. every one of these teams is a playoff contender. So if you're a Raiders fan, you got to be pumped about crunch time of December, when the pretenders are separated from the contenders,
0: no doubt about it, John. And, and how exciting! I'd be. I was talking about this the other day. How exciting would it be if it came down to the final game of the season, Week 18, where there wasn't a Week 18 last year? It's the Chargers at your place, Allegiant Stadium. Whoever wins gets in, and whoever doesn't has to go home. I mean, wouldn't that be ideal for the for the NFL and the AFC West and the Raiders involved?
2: The way this is shaping up, here I think this could be the case across the league. You know, there's not many. T- I've counted five teams we can count out of the playoff race, the Lions, the Texans, the Jets, the Giants, and the Seahawks.
3: Now, others
2: will fall by the wayside, but there's so much competition. You know, there's not a great team. Arizona's 9-2, and, and they've done a great job. They've gone 2-1 with Colt McCoy a quarterback, and Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins out. But Green Bay's 9-3, and, and Green Bay beat Arizona, so they can't be tied at the end of the season, or the Packers are going to win that bye because they had to have competition. And right now, here's another thing that's very interesting. Baltimore has the number one seed as we speak. But Baltimore has been kind of in a tailspin. They've... Uh, scored more than seventeen points once in their last five games. They're averaging fourteen in their last three. So they're really struggling. They beat the Browns sixteen to ten despite Lamar Jackson throwing four interceptions. So I think for Kansas City who I think is the best team in AFC right now with that winning streak, giving up eleven point seven points in that four game winning streak, that they're the best team. I just have a hard time thinking New England with a rookie quarterback with Mac Jones is going to get home field advantage. Patriots still play the Bills twice and Tennessee. I think because of the injuries that they have, they've lost two in a row. They're, they're going to win the AFC South, but unless they get their injured players back and there's a good chance they will in the playoffs, but they're, they, uh, don't be, appear to be a Super Bowl contender.
0: No, it doesn't feel like that right now. We're talking with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle on Twitter, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. And, John, have you ever, in the time that you've been covering the NFL, seen a division like the AFC West as tight as it is going into December as we're on December 1st tomorrow morning?
2: Never. Never seen anything like it. Now, maybe it's happened sometime and I can't remember, or but I just I think that's rare. And I think what's going on now, the fact that they're all – just one game behind the Chiefs, and they all play each other. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're through playing each other. That's what's going to make it even better. And I'm looking at the strength of the schedule. It's amazing. The toughest schedule in the leagues, Kansas City, uh, they're, the teams that they've beaten, strength of schedule is .568, Chargers .552, Raiders .524, and somehow the Broncos are .467. But it's amazing. I thought Denver would fall out, and Vic Fangio. A lot of people think it's coaching for his job, but the Broncos playing great defense. You know, mm-hmm. since they traded Bob Miller, the Rams have lost three in a row, and the Broncos have been inconsistent. But they they obliterated the Cowboys, and uh, they just they've been a surprise. But I think when all said and done, Kansas City will be on top, and I think the winner of that last game. Uh, in Las Vegas, will get the last playoff
0: spot. Man, that'll be some that'll be some box office material right there. I mean, that would be something fantastic to watch, and of course, a home game—you can't ask for anything else. But you're giving yourself a chance, John. I got to take you back to Thanksgiving real quick. There was 28 total penalties called in that game, 14 on both teams. Have you ever seen that kind of officiating before?
2: Well, first of all, uh, the crew that the Cowboys and the Raiders had is notorious for throwing a lot of flags. And I just think any game, if it's one crucial, important call, I can see the officials getting a lot of attention. But when you're getting attention from the get-go to the end of the game, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't say it hurt the ratings, that's for sure. Right. So if you're trying to make an argument against it, you can say, okay, well, let's see. If they've thrown half the flags or third of the flags, Maybe it had been the highest rated game of all time. But it slowed it down. It was maddening for a fan. I'm guessing it was maddening for fans at the stadium. You know it was for the teams. And it seems like every time the officials throw too many flags, the Raiders are always involved. <laughs> a lot of people used to think it was conspiracy because of uh, Pete Rozelle getting sued by Al Davis all the time. So Rosell had told the, the officials, Keep a close eye on the Raiders, which is what Al Davis always thought. It was amazing if you're a Raiders game. And Al always sat in the press box. He didn't sit in the visiting owner's suite. He didn't sit in a, in a box. He sat in the press box. And you could hear him pounding the table. He always sat on the second row, never the first. But you could hear him pounding the table and cussing over the official's calls. And he'd say grab a phone and you wonder wondering, now, Who's out who is out calling right there in the middle of the game? Obviously somebody at the league office to complain.
0: Right, no doubt. I bet that was a lot of fun, uh, sitting in the press box and hearing Al not too far away, uh, you know, getting angry throughout the course of the game. I actually sat in front of Mike Mayock uh, at the game on, on Thursday in Dallas, and, and that was kind of intense, you know, just hearing, hearing him call out the game just as far as seeing it before it really even develops. And uh, that was actually fun. That was a fun experience for me. So hopefully I get the chance to do that again.
2: It's, it's always good, to if you're sitting around somebody like that, Bill Polian of the Colts, Bill used to get so mad like Al Davis, and he, he would cuss about it, but he wouldn't pound the table like Al did. I, I, would, I would think that Mayock, after watching him on TV for years and thinking he's the best analyst by far, uh, that Mike would uh, maybe sit up there almost like he was doing TV again and would be analytic about everything he saw in the field. If everybody gets mad, it's just most of them don't sit in the press box where you can see it. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he he was breaking it down. Uh, he would see a play, and and you would hear him say, uh, "Step up, Derek. Step up, Derek." It wouldn't be loud, but it was loud enough so I could hear it. So I was like I said, it was it was fun to be able to just experience that. So that was I thought that that was really cool, and and uh, just another another experience that I had there on uh, Thanksgiving in that uh, Raider Cowboy game. And uh, John, I wanted to ask you about all these coaching changes that are going on. These massive changes in college football. Lincoln Riley, of course, Brian Kelly. Those go those guys go to USC and, and LSU, respectively. Uh, do you see some massive possible changes coming from college football coaches that could potentially be NFL coaches in the in, uh, offseason?
2: Well, first of all, it goes back to Jimbo Fisher's big contract for so many years to leave Florida State for A&M, and, and he's gotten a, a an extension. So when you're talking about eight, ten-year deals and Jimbo well, Poor old Jimbo, he's in the poorhouse with only like $80 million. And you see Mel Tucker, has been at Michigan State, like two years getting a $10 million deal. And the truth is, if these guys want out, they let them go. Their contracts don't hold them there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think it's bad that Brian Kelly would leave Notre Dame uh, right at the time they got a chance to get in the college football playoff. But if Brian Kelly wasn't doing a good job, they'd fire him. And if he's got a chance to get $100 million, go for it. One of the things about being at Notre Dame, they have rules and standards there that are much stricter than they are at LSU, as you know. The LSU is all football. you got the government behind it. I'm going to tell you a story. There was a running back named Johnny Hector. came out of New Iberia, Louisiana in the 70s, and he was great. Everybody in the country wanted him. And the governor went to his mama and said, I know that you've got a couple of kids. I think a son was in the prison. That's the way I told it. And uh, they let him out. They parole him if he would go to uh, LSU. Turned out they had a lot of sons. then he went to Texas A&M. And then to the Jets. So it's all football over there. And everybody is behind it. So I don't blame Brian Keller for all the money he's going to get. Now I'm waiting to see. Will Luke Finkel leave Cincinnati to go to Notre Dame? They're talking about going after him. And I hear all these. Sooner friends of mine belly aching about the injustice, the outrage that Lincoln Riley would obviously secretly negotiate a deal with USC, and I think, kind of like the Sooners did to get out of the Big Twelve, and go to the SEC.
0: Right, right, no doubt about it. We're talking with John McLean from the Houston Chronicle on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. And uh, one more college question for you: How about your Baylor Bears? They're going to be in the Big Twelve Championship game on Saturday against Oklahoma State. What do you thought about that? That's the second time in three years.
2: Q: U were there two years ago when they lost Oklahoma in regular season. Played them for the championship game. Oklahoma beat them again. Baylor went to the Sugar Bowl. And this year, they lost Oklahoma State by 11 in October in uh, Oklahoma. Now they're playing them in, in Arlington at the Cowboys Stadium, which is like, almost like Oklahoma. So Baylor will have a great turnout. Whether they can beat uh, the Cowboys a second time, I don't know. But I'll tell you what, after uh, the Raiders beat the Cowboys, and I tweeted, how about them Cowboys? And after the Cowboys beat Oklahoma, I tweeted again, how about them Cowboys? <laughs> and this time I'd like to say, how about those fighting Baylor Bears? But I'm not holding my breath.
0: Right, I heard that. Well, I think Dave Aranda's done a heck of a job this season getting Baylor back to that Big 12 championship game. My man Damon Cotton in the home studio has a question for you as well.
4: Yeah, John, David Cully, he benched uh, Justin Reed, and I just want to get your thoughts. What was that about, and could David Cully's job like, maybe come up open than we anticipated?
2: Well, it would be grossly unfair if they fired David Culley after one year with the roster they stuck him with. I respect the heck out of Culley. He's one of the finest people I've ever known. He deserves at least a second year to see if they can show some improvement. And uh, uh, Justin Reed is one of their best players. He violated a team rule and they benched him for the game. And he'll be back this game And from what I understand, it was in a meeting in which Cully was at the front of the room and Reed got into it with Chris Conley, an offensive player. They started arguing about uh, strategy and play, and it escalated. Other players started getting into it, and so Cully met with Reed. Cully, he wasn't playing in that game, and and he'll be back for their next game against the Colts, and it won't make any difference because they're going to get obliterated.
0: Right, absolutely. You know, Cully, he's well-respected across the league, John. Uh, what, what's the feeling around, what's the vibe around kind of the locker room and the players when it comes to Cully, the head coach, in, in his first year?
2: Well, we don't get in the locker room anymore, kid, because right. of COVID-19. But one of the things I watch is how the players treat a coach during games. And at the end of the Tennessee game two weeks ago, in which they beat the Titans, two hours from where Cully grew up, he played quarterback, at Vanderbilt, and, the, and he had a lot of family and friends in the stands. And people knew how much it meant to him to win that game. And I was watching players go over him on the sideline, put the arm around it, and that kind of shows the affection they had for him. And afterward, when he came in, we asked immediately uh, uh, about him and what it meant to him. He wouldn't talk about it. All he wanted to do is talk about what it meant to the players and the, his assistants, and that's one reason – He's well respected, but as far as being a head coach, it's hard to judge a head coach when your team is so bad. And people say, well, he makes mistakes during games. What coach doesn't? Right. Other than Bill Belichick. Andy Reid was called out for, for a game management problem for years. And then he wins, wins the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. You don't hear about it anymore.
0: Right, no, there's no doubt about that, and, and I'll tell you right now, Raider Nation has called out you know Rich Versace multiple times for you know time issues and lack of timeouts and maybe not challenge flags being thrown. And I mean, it's hard, John, when you got everything on you. That's hard to to kind of be that that manager, especially when you're the first time that you ever done it. So I think Rich is doing the best job he can, but I just realize it's tough, especially mid season, taking over like he did. That's
2: why I would never call plays if I were the head coach. There's too much to worry about with game management clock management, throwing the flag, decisions. You need somebody in the booth that you trust, that you can bounce things off of. And I'm amazed at coaches who can call plays and still make all those decisions.
0: Right, absolutely. And, John, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, I know that your wife is a big uh, fan of the Washington football team. RG3. Former Baylor Bear, you know, we all know him, we all love him as a as a dude. He's just a heck of a guy. Uh, he's got a book coming out as a tell-all, basically, about the Washington football team. Uh, anything that you're really intrigued to read in that book?
2: Well, first of all, because it's RG3 and I have such great respect for him, I'll buy one uh, just for him. But based on everything we've heard about Washington and all the issues it's had off the field, I don't know what else he's going to tell us that we haven't heard. And if the team's bad, it's not going to be the same. But uh, I'm sure Dan Snyder, with everything he's had to put up with, just a, uh, I, I'm sure he going not like it because it, it will be from a player's perspective, mm-hmm. the player who is behind the scenes. I'll be interested to see what RG3 says about Mike and Kyle Shanahan.
0: Right. Yes, yes, I I really want to see that part of it because I I didn't think that that was a great fit when when they even drafted him number two overall. I just didn't know how he was going to fit with Mike Shanahan because he's just a different dude. You know, he's just a different type of of cat. Yeah,
2: but remember, the first year he was NFL offensive rookie yep. year over Andrew Luck, yep, and he had like 800 yards rushing, and they made the playoffs, and then he blew out his ankle, and he was never the same. And based on what they said about this book, there's going to be a lot of medical stuff in there it's obvious he thinks they screwed it up
0: right ruined his career basically so I'm interested to hear and see what it's all about when that book comes out next year I believe in August is what he said and speaking of the Washington football team that's who's up next for the Raiders on Sunday and I started the show off John saying that the Raiders themselves just because everything that's going on uh, obviously with Gruden and the, the fact that he had to resign due to the emails not saying that any of the emails were good he got what he deserved but I feel like the team should go into this game on Sunday with a little bit of you know a little edge to them, just because you know they were they weren't the ones under investigation. It was Washington, but yet the fallout happened with the Raiders. So I, I think that they should go into this game with a little bit extra edge. Can you see that as, as something that's going to happen?
2: Q: If the Las Vegas Raiders need an extra edge <laughs> from the, other than the fact they're six and five and have a chance to make the playoffs, something's wrong. I think that victory over the Cowboys in overtime should give them a lot of confidence after the three-game losing streak and a chance to stick it to another NFC team and move into the playoff closer to a playoff position. Chargers lose, then they move up. I think that's plenty of motivation.
0: Now you, you, you're right. You're right about that. I just uh, I just kind of look back at that that whole debacle and the way it shook out and think, man, yeah, you're
2: one of those media people trying to. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the way you didn't wait till all of you. you know me they too well, John. To you, instead of Q, they were going to call you C for controversy. <laughs> tell DeMond that. Yeah. Controversy was your middle name.
0: Right, pretty much. I try to tell him, but he's not trying to hear me all the time, John, but I try to tell him.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure DeMond already learned, like your wife, you know, they go in one ear and out the other.
4: <laughs> DeMond, I'm not that bad, am I? Oh, no, uh, I wouldn't say all Yeah, you kind of are. <laughs> I'm going to say it.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, John, what do you got coming out on Texas Sports Nation that folks should be on the lookout for?
4: I wrote
2: a column about the playoff race and went over everything in both conferences, who, what, when, where. This is a great time of year, crunch time of December. I can't wait. Good luck to the Raiders in that game against the Washington football team.
0: Thank you so much, John. We appreciate you as always.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: See you there. He goes, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, talking all things NFL. All right, all right. Controversy, my middle name. Controversy. I don't really stir it up that much, do I, Demond? You could be honest.
4: You really are. Like when you're like, yo, the Raider players, they should like have a like something in their neck about this game. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. You were saying it. I was like, I think they should want to win. Obviously, like playoffs are on the line. But I don't, like, I, I wouldn't be like, yo, I want to hit Taylor Heineke even harder because of what happened. I don't think they're going to be looking at it like that. <laughs> no, I mean you could be right and it doesn't have to be
0: like that. I want to hit the guy extra harder, but just I don't know, you should have a little extra edge to you. You don't ever use anything for motivation. What about when Michael Jordan said in in the last dance and I used and and I took that personal? We, 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 nobody lives by that anymore. Just MJ.
4: <laughs> I think the problem with MJ is that you know what? Yeah, I think I know the results were there, but it's just like this man's a psycho.
0: Well, I mean, being a psycho is okay.
4: Just making up stories. This dude's got to be like, man, you the dude who told that story about MJ, huh? And he's like, I don't know what y'all talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But whatever whatever it took to push him a little bit more, I mean, obviously it worked, right? It worked, but I don't know. Like, just stepping off the bus, like, yeah, they the reason... Like oh yeah like you know, you um, running fine. back you're the reason that our coach got fired. Fine, fine. You know like you lined like you lined up against the line and like you know like in a movie it'd be like he's just grunting. And it's like what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> just yeah, it's your fault. He's like my fault for what? So maybe to give him that edge.
0: I don't know, man. I like to have a chip on my shoulder at times, man. I, you know I wear I wear it well, man. I That's mean I'm sure I, I
4: got the biggest chip on my shoulder. You know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I'm about to say I'm you should know all about that. The chip on my shoulder.
0: Right, you should know all about that. If anyone has a chip on the shoulder, it should be you. I know I carry it. I carry it all the time. Sometimes a little too much, but that's okay. So, I mean, it is what it is, I guess. But many thanks to John McClain. It's always great to to hear from him and catch up with him talking all things NFL. 3.22 is the time. I'm at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. That is Raiders HQ. What I want to do next is I want to kind of shift gears. And I want to shift gears, and the reason why I want to do that is because there was a, a big death that, that occurred here in the Las Vegas community. And it's it was with someone who was very well respected and known in the radio entertainment industry here in the area. And I didn't know him. I didn't get the pleasure to meet him, but he was a longtime Lotus, uh, Lotus employee and uh, and worked on VGK and did a lot of great things. It was I mean, Devon. how long, how long was Frank uh, on, on the air here in, in, in Las Vegas? Like twenty something years, right? Frank
4: Harnish. How I'm long going was to say he at least thirty? Right. See. I'll, I'll say I will go back to even thirties because yeah, he's been like I'd say early nineties. So, yeah, close to thirty that he was here.
0: There you go. And
4: and I know my
0: guy Brian Salma knows him really well. We might have to have him on later on in the week. Uh, but but Frank passed away. Uh he had been dealing and battling with cancer, and there's a lot of folks in our building. That are really affected today. Uh, Our VGK insiders on our sister station, Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas, they actually took the day off today because they're really shook up. I tried to get uh, my man Chris Chapman, AKA Magnum, on the show, but uh, he had a couple things going on. I just wanted to kind of share a few memories. of uh, of Frank, but uh, he just, our scheduling just didn't work out. But there's a lot of people here in the community that really know him well. And unfortunately, like I said, I didn't get a chance to ever meet him, but everything I heard about him was just fantastic. Like just one of those souls that uh, you never had a bad thing to say about the guy. He just was one of those dudes, you know, and, and a lot of times in this industry you'll run across people like that and you'll really just take a liking to them. So I know this is a tough day for everyone in the, the industry here in the Las Vegas area, and again, it it all goes back to cancer, you know, and so what I was thinking, and we'll do this when we come back, uh, today also on ESPN, national ESPN, they're doing the the giving, the giving day, the the charity for the Jimmy V Foundation, and and that has to do with cancer and cancer research and, and everything that they're trying to do to help folks that are dealing and battling with cancer right now. And it made me think of my guy that I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him, which is Stuart Scott, which is one of my... One of my idols growing up, and I didn't even realize he was my idol. But he was one of those guys that I always left the uh, TV on. I always had it on Sports Center, and I'd fall asleep, and he'd be on, and he just he just had a little style, a little swagger about himself. And I'd wake up, and it'd still be on, you know, because it was always on repeat throughout the course of the night. So he had an acceptance speech that he did back in 2014, and I just want to play it. It's only about five minutes long, but I'll tell you, when I was listening to it this morning, tying all this together, thinking about Frank without even knowing him, thinking about Stuart Scott, thinking about everyone who has to deal with cancer, everyone who knows somebody that has to deal with cancer, and I think it's affected every single family across America. I, I would I would really find it hard to believe that there's somebody that doesn't know anybody that's ever had to deal with some form of cancer in their in in their family. And we all know it sucks. I mean, it really does. To put it no other way, it sucks. So when I come back, when we come back, I'm gonna let you hear Stuart Scott's five-minute acceptance speech. Uh, when he when he was receiving his award uh, from the V Foundation uh, on the ESPYS back in 2014, uh, one of his final speeches that he gave. I'm telling you, when I was listening to it this morning, I was just in tears. It was, just, and I've heard this so much. It's just crazy. But it just, it brings me to tears every time I hear it. So I'll play that next. We'll talk about it. DeMond, you can share a few memories about Frank. I'll read some tweets about Frank because they're coming in fast and furious. All our sister station folks on ESPN Las Vegas and Fox Sports Las Vegas, all uh, really affected today by the loss of uh, of Frank. So we'll talk about that and we'll uh, hear from Stuart Scott. We'll do that next here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.
3: Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm
0: going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
3: Here's your boy Q.
0: 3.31 is the time here on NSA Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. DeMond Cotton, my guy, he's back in the home studios holding it down on the wheels of steel and I'm here in the Raiders HQ studios, uh, always having a great time being here. Love being out of the studio, but love having an opportunity to be in this studio because it is really a great opportunity. Uh, before we went to break, I mentioned what was going on today and, and how the, the city and the community here in Las Vegas lost a really good guy who uh, was a long time Lotus broadcaster and uh, been with the company for a very long time and is very well known as Las Vegas community and uh, lost him due to cancer and I mentioned that there's so many people that are that affected by cancer each and every day. How about this? And this is from Tashaun Reed, uh, one of our colleagues that covers the Raiders. He does a great job for the Athletic. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at Tashaun Reed. He put out this piece about Raiders center Andre James. He lost his dad, Marcus, three years ago to cancer, declared for the draft after that UCLA season with one thing in mind. Man, I just want to take care of my family. And he puts in this piece. He's done that with the Raiders. The memory of his dad pushes him to want more. Uh, So he writes about him in the Athletic, so I definitely encourage you to go check him out. Uh, Some point this week we're going to get someone on to talk about ballpark frank frank harnish who is the 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 man that i'm talking about that i didn't get a pleasure to meet but there's so many people that had so many memories and the tweets and texts and everything are pouring in about ballpark frank Uh, this one's from uh, dave he said sadly las vegas has lost a really good guy with the passing of ballpark frank harnish Uh, vgk frank put up a great fight versus cancer and he'll be missed by so many friends Uh, this one's from dan Uh, frank harnish as a kind-hearted as a man as you'll find generous and Welcoming. Sad to hear of his passing. I love Frank's interaction with fans on and off the air. Uh, during the post game shows, some of my fondest VGK memories are those shared with him. Uh, this is actually from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, rest in peace ballpark Frank Harnish a sports radio legend in Vegas he worked in every role possible at Lotus Broadcasting was known as Fred Fredericks to the comp radio audience one of the original voices of the VGK insider show uh, battled cancer uh, valiantly and then Greg Salerno sorry to hear about the passing of our co-worker ballpark Frank Harnish always a really nice guy rest in peace I mean they just continue to pour in and pour in my tag team partner Doug Marsh who uh, does a lot of great work behind the scenes at Lotus Broadcasting put out he put on a gruff facade but he had a heart of gold it was so kind. I'll miss him on our racetrack trips, reality show adventures, baseball trips, but most of all knowing I can no longer pick up the phone and talk to him. Rest in peace, Frank. And I mean, that's just a, a few handfuls of, of tweets that are rolling in about Ballpark Frank. And so again a guy that meant to this Las Vegas community and uh, there's one thing I'm going to do while I'm here is I'm going to honor uh, the community I'm going to make sure that this Las Vegas community is always well respected and that goes for everyone involved and uh, Frank was here long before me and he'll be thought of uh, well after me you know what I mean he'll, he'll be one of those guys that that has long lasting memories and like I said we'll have someone on uh, throughout the course of this week that will talk about ballpark Frank but with everything going on, and with cancer, and with uh, ESPN doing their fundraiser, their give uh, give a little bit. Uh, efforts today, their fundraising efforts that they've been doing all throughout the network today. And I know we're not ESPN national, but it made me think of a guy who was an inspiration to me growing up before I even realized he was an inspiration to me. But Stuart Scott, people ask me all the time, Q, how'd you get involved? Well, Stuart Scott was a major reason. He was a guy that I looked at and said, hey, I could do what he's doing. Not necessarily as good as him, but I realized that he opened the door for someone who looked like me. And hopefully that I'm opening the door or I'm inspiring someone as well. If we're not inspiring someone to do better with themselves, then what are we doing, you know? And so he's always been an inspiration for me. And so when he passed after his long battle with cancer, it it, it hit me, man. It hit me to the core. But I'll never forget 2014, the Jimmy V award acceptance speech from Stuart Scott. He was getting the award for perseverance for his courageous fight against cancer. And it's not very long. I'm not going to sit here and run 15, 16 minute speech, acceptance speech, but it's about five minutes. Here's Stuart Scott uh, for 2014. Just something that sometimes we just need to hear and, and, and remember. Every day I am reminded
3: that our life's journey is really about the people who touch us. When I first heard that I was going to be honored with this reward, the very first thing that I did was I was speechless. Briefly. I've presented this award before. I mean I've watched in awe as Kay Yow and Eric LeGrand and all these other great people grace this stage and although intellectually, I get it, public figure, I have a public job, I'm battling cancer, hopefully I'm inspiring. At my gut level, I really didn't think that I belong with those great people. But I listened to what Jim Valvano said 21 years ago. The most poignant seven words ever uttered in any speech, anywhere. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Those great people didn't. Coach Valvano didn't. So, to be honored with this, I now have a responsibility to also not ever give up. I'm not special. I just listened to what the man said. I listened to all that he said, everything that he asked of us, and that's to build the V Foundation. And let me tell you, man, it works. I'm talking tangible benefits. You saw me in that clinical trial. Now, here's the thing about that. Coach Valvano's words 21 years ago, Helping me and thousands of people like me right now, direct benefits. That's why all of this, why we're here tonight, that's why it's so important. I also realized something else recently. You heard me kind of allude to it in the piece. I said, I'm not losing. I'm still here, I'm fighting. I'm not losing. But I gotta amend that. When you die, that does not mean that you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live. So live, live, fight like hell. And when you get too tired to fight, then lay down and rest and let somebody else fight for you. That's also very, very important. I can't do this, don't give up thing all by myself. I got thousands of people on Twitter and on the streets who encourage me. I got these amazingly wonderful people at ESPN. I got corporate executives, my bosses, this is true, who will text message me and they'll say, hey, uh, heard you had chemotherapy today. You want me to stop by on the way home from work and pick you up something to eat and bring it to you? Seriously, (laughs) who does that? (laughs) Whose boss does that? My bosses do that. But even with all that, the fight is still much more difficult than I even realized. What you didn't see in the piece is what's gone on probably the last 10 days. I just got out of the hospital this past Friday, seven days stay. Man, I crashed. I had liver complications, I had kidney failure. I had four surgeries in a span of seven days. I had tubes and wires running in and out of every part of my body, and guys, when I say every part of my body, every part of my body. As of Sunday, I didn't even know if I'd make it here. I couldn't fight. but doctors and nurses could. The people that I love, my friends and family, they could fight. My girlfriend who slept in a very uncomfortable hospital cot by my side every night, she could fight. The people that I love did last week what they always do. They visited, they talked to me, they listened to me, they sat silent sometimes, they loved me. And that's another one of the components of the V Foundation. This whole fight this journey thing is not a solo venture. This is something that requires support. I called my big sister Susan a few days ago. Why? I needed to cry. It was that simple. And I know that I can call her, I can call my other sister Cynthia, my brother Stephen, my mom and dad, and I can just cry. And those things are very important. I have one more necessity. Eh, it's really two. Two very vibrant, intelligent, beautiful young ladies. The best thing I have ever done, the best thing I will ever do, is be a dad to Taylor and Sydney. It's true. I can't ever give up because I can't leave my daughters. Yes, sometimes I embarrass them. Sometimes they think I'm a tyrant. That's a direct quote. There is an adjective that described tyrant too, but I'm not going to go there. But Taylor and Sydney, I love you guys more than I will ever be able to express. You two are my heartbeat. I am standing on this stage here tonight because of you. My oldest daughter, Taylor, I wanted her to be here, but college sophomore, summer school, second semester, starting this week. Baby girl, I love you, but you go do you, you go do that. My littlest angel is here, my 14-year-old. Sidney, come up here and give dad a hug, because I need one.
0: So there it is right there. That was Stuart Scott from back in 2014, Jimmy V. Award acceptance speech. Uh, Award for Perseverance. And I just think that it was good to hear that. I mean, everyone has been affected by cancer in some some way, some, some form somehow even listening to that I definitely got my mom's emotions. Even listening to that I'm like emotional right now. I'm sitting in this studio at Raiders HQ like fighting tears back just listening to that because it's so real and that could apply to everyone. So just wanted to to play that one anyone to who's dealing with that, could be dealing with it right now or maybe uh recently lost someone or lost someone that they really, you know, was really close to them due to cancer, man. Just you know, like Frank, you know, Frank didn't lose. He just you know, he, he he lived his life as long as he could and, and, and lived it the best way he could while dealing with cancer. So he didn't lose the, the fight. He fought it. He fought it. And he got tired. He laid down and is going to let someone else fight the fight moving forward. So um, rest in peace to Frank Harnish. Ballpark Frank, again, didn't know him, but I know so many people here in the community did. And just wanted to give him that honor because, well, at the very least, he deserved that. So uh that's 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 what I got from that again. I keep seeing a bunch of tweets rolling in about him. Uh, man, you could probably do hashtag RIP ballpark on uh, Twitter and see all the the just the all the love and, and honoring going out to ballpark Frank. So uh, like I said, I definitely wanted to go ahead and pass that along. Three forty three is the time, take a quick break, come back, close out the show. This is unnecessary roughness on Radar Nation Radio, nine twenty.
1: Yo, what's up, what's up, Raider Nation? It's your homie, Too Short, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920, baby.
0: 347 is the time. Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center is where we're at. It's Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. got a few minutes left in today's show before we pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy in the huddles coming up next, 4 to 6 p.m. Guarantee it's going to be a fantastic show. Definitely want you to stick around for that. I've had a Fast and Furious show ourselves. Got a lot of text messages. Got a lot of tweets. Got a lot of calls. Got a tweet right now from Alan talking about that uh, speech that Stuart Scott, you just heard from Stuart Scott. It said, oh, man, now you got me and my feelings. Stuart Scott was an amazing man. Changed how we look at sports coverage forever. Never heard of ballpark, Frank, but lost my dad to cancer, and I know how his family and friends feel Prayers up for all of them, and that's that's real. And then our guy, Fargo Raider, Demon, he hit us on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187. Q and Demon Fargo Raider here. Damn, Q, as a survivor myself, that hit hard. I can still remember the face of my oncologist, whom I haven't seen since I was eight years old. I was among the lucky ones who went into remission, but I remember daily the friends I made in those hospitals and live my life without complaints to honor their memories. Never give up. That's from Fargo Raider. Uh, he calls in all the time. We definitely appreciate you, Fargo. Uh, and then... Uh, Geese Mode, he said, I lost my aunt to pancreatic cancer several years ago, and my stepdad just finished up treatment for his own battle with prostate cancer. What I've learned from these tough times is that in every moment, you have to have gratitude about the time we have on this earth because it's, it's, uh, it's not guaranteed. To really take care of yourself and take care of others because there's nothing more in life to cherish than the time we have with each other, Geese Mode out. And I agree with that 100%. I had a buddy one day on, uh, on the radio. He, he was doing an interview with me. He was uh, my man C.K. from uh, Fox Sports in Fresno, and he, he usually puts me on every week in Fresno. And uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, you know, he asked how I was doing. And I, I said blessed. And I like to say that because I am blessed to be in the position I'm in and do what I'm able to do every single day and have a good time on the radio. Very blessed, you know, to have that opportunity because everyone doesn't get that. And uh, he said, you know what, I, I could appreciate when you say that because people always say, well, you know, I, I got to get up and go to work. I have to get up and go to work. Like, I, you know, don't want go to go get up and go to work. And CK told me, Q, I'm blessed that I can get up. And go to work. And that really just kind of like, yeah, you're right. You are blessed that you can get up and go to work because there's some folks out right now that probably listen to this show that would love to be able to get up. And go to work or get up and deal with some issue. just be able to get up and live. I don't do the best job of it, but I promise you, I try to live every day. To the to the most of it, try to maximize everything I do every single day, because you just don't know. And I don't ever want to have regrets like, man, I should have just done that or I should have just had fun or I should have done that. And now I can't. I don't never want to be that guy. And everyone's got their own thing that they do in life. Everyone's got their own decisions that they make. But, man, sometimes some of the things that we get angry and I'm guilty of it myself, some things we get angry about and get upset about and use lose like a day or two. Maybe not talking to someone because you're upset at them to me. And it's just me. A lot of times it's not even worth it. Like grudges, grudges suck. Because if you're holding a grudge and you decide you don't want to talk to someone because they made you mad over something stupid, you know it's always something stupid, and then all of a sudden you can't talk to them anymore, then you're upset at yourself. So I don't know. I'm like so not trying to get on soapbox and try to you know, preach to everyone and tell them how to live. But, man, sometimes we just need to not take everything as serious and so, as, get as angry as we do about trivial stuff. And like I said, that goes for me as well. I have no problem, you know, lighting up and getting getting, getting you know, getting fired up and getting mad sometimes. And, and other times I just got to look at myself and say, Q, what are you tripping for? It's really not that serious. Uh, let's hustle up and go out to the phone lines real quick and uh, talk to our guy, Tim, calling in from Lubbock, Texas. What's on your mind, Tim?
1: Hello, how y'all doing?
0: Blessed, uh, man. How you doing? I
1: just, I just, uh, um, I'm glad, I was glad you paid that piece by Stuart Scott because I'm 46 years old. And when I started really getting into football and stuff, uh, Stuart Scott was the reason, the only reason why I really just really watched Sports um, uh I mean, he was off the chain. Mm-hmm. And my mother has beaten cancer like three times. So I know how it goes and how it can affect the family and stuff like that. I had to quit school the first time to come take care of my brothers and sisters when my mother first called cancer, so I know how that goes. But when I first called, I was calling about just uh, just uh, talking about everybody talking about the penalties and stuff that was in the game. It just tripped me out how the national media all of a sudden is, ju- is talking about uh, the penalties, penalties, penalties when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and stuff like that. But uh, even when we broke the record for penalties in a game and ended up winning that game in overtime, nobody even talked about the penalties. That we usually to get on a consistent basis. Anytime we get penalties, we always lead the league in penalties. But nobody ever really, not the national media anyway, ever really talks about it after a game unless we just get unless we just get drugged or something like that.
0: Right, right. That was that what Tampa Bay game where they broke the record on penalties?
1: Yeah, yeah. That time when they when uh. Or, uh I think if they had like 25 penalties, yeah, we still ended up winning that game. But, yeah. I, but I guarantee you, the next day, the only people that talked about it was the Raiders. Was the Raiders media? That was it.
0: Right. Yeah, you're right. Hey, great call, Tim. We appreciate you, man. Thanks for sharing your personal story as well. That's awesome. That's what this platform is about, is sharing personal stories as well. And, and yeah, I remember that game. That's when Carr hit Seth Roberts and they scored. It looked like the game was going to end in a tie. Uh, it was against Tampa Bay. That was on the road. I remember that game. Uh, that was wild, man. That was what every single play it felt like a penalty. And I'll tell you, the reason why the national media is really talking about those penalties from Thursday was, one, because it was on the national stage, the primetime stage, uh, two, Two, the Cowboys, like you mentioned. But three, and probably the most important, is because Jerry Jones started talking about it. And you know when Jerry starts talking, everyone's going to pay attention. This guy holds his own press conferences following games right in front of the the Cowboys locker room. I've been a part of that scrum before. And it's like, you go and get the – when it wasn't COVID, we'd go into the locker room and we'd get the players. But – your instructions. My instruction from my boss was always, okay. When you get down to the locker room, get as much audio from Jerry. Try to get in close because you know there's going to be so many people there. Get as much audio from Jerry, and then go in and get some people that are are relevant to you know to the local area when you go into the locker room. Like that was our instructions. Go get Jerry first, and then make sure you get other players. I mean, it's just it's hilarious because that dude will hold hold his own press conference. Uh, before before they actually open up the locker room right after each and every game. So when he starts talking about it, please believe everybody is talking about it. So good stuff, Tim. Thank you again for that call. Appreciate you. Thank everyone for all the texts and the tweets that, that we received. Got a lot of really good stuff uh, on today's show uh, con- uh, considering or not considering. Wait, say it again. <laughs> I didn't hear you. Okay, let me get to a couple texts real quick. Uh, DeMond was whispering in my ear, and it messed me up. Uh, So I had no idea what I was trying to say, but it's all good. Uh, We got one text that said, this is a huge game for KJ. This Washington game is what we brought him for. Big guy needs to be good enough in pass coverage to stay on the field. Uh, Then we also got a text from, uh, I don't know who texted it, but it says it was a huge mistake when Del Rio replaced Bill Musgrave with Todd Downing. Carr had his best seasons under Musgrave, and that's true. That was one of the biggest things is that, man, (laughs) Bill Musgrave, when he left and Todd Downing and he's now the Titans offensive coordinator, that's why I goof on him all the time, he was supposed to be the next up-and-coming, the hot, hot young thing. Yeah, he was not. He was not that – at all. So <laughs> that's all I got for you. Uh, definitely appreciate, like I said, all the feedback on the text line and the phone line. Uh, everyone who's hit us up by way of Twitter, at uh, your boy Q254, at R&R, 920 AM, and of course, at Damon underscore the boss, at D-M-O-N underscore the boss. Vinny Bonsignor, Lincoln Kennedy, they're up next. They're going to take you home 4 to 6 p.m. I'll be back in the home studios tomorrow. We'll have a preview of the Washington football team, what the Raiders should expect. We'll have more calls and texts. We'll have news and notes. We'll have plenty to get to, and we'll do it tomorrow. But Vinny's up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.